Welcome back, everybody. It's Ben Hopkin again with Acting Without the Drama, where we keep the drama on the stage and in front of the camera and out of our personal lives. So, today we're going to be talking about script analysis. Now, we have gone over in a fair amount of depth how you go about creating a performance really in terms of a scene. That's really how we've approached it up to this point. Because the scene is the basic unit of anything that we're going to be doing. At the end of the day, however, unless you're going to spend your life being an acting student, you do need to learn how to put together a performance over the course of an entire script, whether that be for a play or a film or for television. Whatever that may be, you really need to look at it strongly in terms of the entirety of the piece. And so that's really what we're going to be talking about today. How do you take a script just from the pages that you're given right at the beginning and turn it into something that is a believable character, a believable performance? Really, for me, the first step is just simply to read it. I read the script for enjoyment. I will be perfectly honest in saying that I don't love reading scripts. I do love reading. It's something that I've always loved doing. And I would recommend to you that if it's something that you haven't developed a taste for, that you spend some time just reading for pleasure. It is something that will enrich you, it's something that will expand you, and it's also something that will really help you in terms of sharpening your mental focus and really being able to understand how characters put together and how stories are told. Those are all things that I think are really important for an actor or really for any artist. Whether you're talking about someone that deals in sculpture or painting or performance art, or really anything, there is that component of being able to tell a story, to be able to move someone. So, I take the script, and I begin reading it. And I just simply try to absorb the story. Really try to immerse myself in it, start to feel the characters out. And so that first time that I read it is really just an experience. And that's what I try to make it, just an experience of the story itself. And that first impression of that story, the story that's being told with that script, is one that I use to sort of base whether or not this is something that I want to be involved in. Is this a story that speaks to me? Is it something that resonates with me? Really, as a professional actor, you don't want to limit yourself by judging the pieces that you're reading. There's a big difference between judgment and discernment. You want to discern for yourself whether or not this is something that works for you. You want to make sure that it doesn't go against your sensibility or go against the standards that you've set in place for yourself, which I've spoken of before when we were talking about commitment. And by the same token, you don't want to judge the pieces. This is good. This is bad. You simply want to experience it. And once you've gone through that experiencing process, you can then determine whether or not it's something that you really want to be involved in. So that first reading of the script is done and we have decided yes this is something that excites me or at the very least this is something that I feel like I can be involved in. Where do we go next? Well next what I generally do is I read it again once more really focusing on my character the character that I'm either auditioning for or the part that I've actually already secured. I take a look at it strongly in terms of what are the scenes that I'm in where do those scenes fit in, in terms of the overall story? And those, I think, are important things to determine that second read-through. Where does my character fit in, in terms of the plot? Where does my character fit in, in terms of the relationships with the other characters in the play? What is my character's place in this world? 
So that's the second time through the script. At that point, generally, I start to break it down. I'll take it scene by scene and take a look at each of those scenes. And as I've mentioned before, the process that I go through for those scenes is to determine what my relationship is to the other characters in the scene, what my objective is with each of those characters, what do I want to convince each of those individuals of, and also what my internal obstacle would be with each of them. And then finally, once I've determined that, I go down and break each scene into its individual thought groupings. What lines or or what parts of lines are part of a distinct thought group. And once I've done that, then we can start assigning verbs or tactics or actions to each of those thoughts. What am I going to do with each of those thoughts to the other person in order to convince them of what my objective is? And at that point, we could sort of stop and say, okay, great, you know, I've gone through, I've done all of my background work for each of these scenes. That's a wonderful place to be good. Now I'm going to be vibrant, I'm going to be exciting, it's going to be an active performance, it's going to be a specific performance, and all of those things would definitely be true. At that point, however, I do believe if we don't go one step further, that we'll end up with a fragmented or kind of random performance. Because it is important to make sure that we determine our character's arc. Characters, if they're well written, have an arc to them. They move throughout the course of a piece. Now, there will occasionally be what are called sort of foil characters, where they may not have a huge arc. They may not learn anything over the course of the play, that they're basically there as a mirror for the other characters who are progressing, who are learning. However, even with those characters, you can see movement, and you can see a consistent theme, something that you can grab a hold of and create for yourself that characterization, something that that really remains consistent throughout the piece. And the best way to do this, whether it's an arc we're talking about or whether we're a foil character that stays relatively uh, unchanged throughout the course of the piece, the way to sort of marry all of those scenes together and to make sure that we're all on the same page as we go through the script is to find your super objective. What does my character want over the course of the entire script? And that's really where we tie everything back in. Just as in a scene, we need to constantly be taking the verbs that we're playing, the different tactics, and feeding them through that objective. That's the only way to really make sure that they're connected and grounded. In that same way, all of our individual objectives for each scene should fit back in to the super objective of the play, making sure that everything is feeding and working towards that super objective of the character. That allows our performance to really make sure that it is consistent, that it is a through line, that it helps support the script in its entirety. This is called the character spine. You'll hear it referred to as a spine line or a spine or a super objective. All of those terms are kind of interchangeable. It is important, however, that we make sure that each objective for each scene can fit into that super objective. And so what I'm going to do is to sort of walk you through a little bit of Romeo and Juliet, since we've already done a little bit of work with that script, and it is one that is fairly familiar to pretty much everybody. That's the script that we're going to use. And so we're going to take a look at the character of Romeo. And again, 
I take the script, I read it for the first time, and really with that first experience with the script, I try when I'm reading the script the first time through with Shakespeare to just simply read it straight through. I don't take a lot of time going back and using the dictionary and using the footnotes. I try to find a flow to it and try to pick up the meaning as best I can. Where I really get stuck, I will go and, and check the footnotes or go to a dictionary to make sure that I understand what's actually happening in the play. But if I'm understanding the basics, I continue forward, just again trying to find that flow to it, to really experience it as an entirety. The second time through, then again, I'm reading it for character, making sure that I understand where my character fits in. And at that moment, I go back in and I make sure that I really understand everything that I'm saying that my character would be speaking as we go through this. And so really at that point, I do go back and I do use the dictionary. I do use all of the outside resources. I do use the footnotes to make sure that I really do understand everything that my character needs to say. So that's, again, the second time through the script. Once I've done that, then it's time to sit down and figure out what is the through line here? What does my character want over the course of the entire play? And for me, and again, this is something that is fairly flexible. This is something that goes into the choices that you make as an actor. There isn't, I don't think, a right answer to this. But for me, as I look at Romeo, his through line, his spine line, his super objective is to find his heart's true love and to stay with that love forever. And I think that that informs every single thing that happens throughout the course of the play. So that even in the first scene before he's met Juliet and he's going on and on about Rosalind and he's talking to Mercutio and he's talking to Benvolio, again, it still ties into that super objective, which is to find his heart's true love and to be with that true love forever. He's agonizing over the fact that Rosalind won't return his love. He's in love with her. She doesn't love him. And his friends are trying to convince him to just, hey, move on, you know? I mean, it's not worth it. She's not returning your love. And he's really struggling with this because, again, he wants to find his heart's true love. And it isn't until he meets Juliet and is just struck, love-struck, love-smitten, that everything from that point on is focused around Juliet. But again, remembering that that all ties back into his super-objective. When he is outside of the Capulet's estate, when he is seeking for Juliet, the balcony scene, the infamous balcony scene, when he's going through that scene, really, it seems that his objective is to convince Juliet that he should be there. Because Juliet isn't completely convinced. She's convinced that she loves him. I don't think that it's Romeo trying to convince Juliet to love him, because she doesn't really go against that. She loves him, too. It really, it seems that the conflict there is mostly about whether or not it's a good idea for them to be sharing that moment in that time, for it to be moving as rapidly as it is. Juliet, multiple times in the scene, expresses concern about how it's moving forward. She talks about the moon and the inconstancy of the moon, and then she talks about him not swearing, and then she says, you know what, this whole thing is just rash. I... I I feel like it's moving too quickly. And so really, to me, the conflict in that scene is about whether or not the timing is right, whether or not this is the appropriate time for them to express their love for one another. And again, Romeo's objective here to convince Juliet that the time is right for them to share love 
ties back into his super objective. And if you go through scene by scene, you'll see that each of those scenes supports that super objective. So again, in looking at a script and looking at the entirety of a script, it's really important to make sure that we understand how that character moves through the script. What do they want? What is their super objective over the course of the script? In addition to this idea, I talked about the idea that we need to understand where the character fits in relationship to the other characters in the play. Romeo versus Rosalind. Romeo and his relationship to Tybalt. Romeo and his relationship to Mercutio. Romeo and his relationship to Benvolio. All of these things are going to, again, inform you and your performance as you move through the script. A lot of that you can start to observe as you are reading through the script and really analyzing it. As we continue forward, a lot of that information is going to be coming from the director. So we always need to stay open, flexible, fluid as we go through this, not form any solidified ideas of what needs to happen because always there's going to be that input from the director that we want to make sure that we are honoring. This is simply our homework. This is what we're bringing to the table. The first time that we read through the script as a cast, this is what we're bringing to the table to start. And then from there, it's a collaborative process. And remember that. Always make sure that you're not coming in with arrogance saying, hey, I've done everything here. You need to listen to what I have to say. That's not the relationship there. You want to make sure that you're really staying open to direction. Now, one final piece of advice that I'll give you as you are going through and analyzing a script, and this is going to be maybe a little interesting because this is a physical process that I'm talking about now. Because remember, at the end of the day, acting is physical. It does come from our bodies as much as it comes from our minds. It needs to be a joining of those things. So in addition to the intellectual work you've done in terms of analyzing the script, there's some physical work that you can do as well. One of the things that's been really helpful to me as an actor as I'm working through that script is to find a physical way to accentuate the beat change. And let me see if I can explain what I mean here. Go to a place where you have some room and start walking as you're reading the script and you're reading your character's lines. Each time you get to the end of a thought group, each time you get to the end of a beat, change directions physically change directions. And if that means you're changing directions every two seconds, that means you're changing directions every two seconds. But feel it in your body. Start to really feel where those beat changes are. And you'll start to understand what I'm talking about in terms of making this performance physical. So I've given you some ideas in terms of script analysis. I've also given you some things that you can physically do in order to help with that process. So what I would encourage you to do now is to go out, grab a script, and go through this exact process. If you happen to be cast in something, great. That's a wonderful opportunity to use these tools. If not, don't wait to get cast to do this. Go and practice. If you need to, go to Barnes & Noble. If you can't afford to buy a script, go to Barnes & Noble, pick up a script, and just read it while you're there. They don't care if you hang out in the chairs. Another thing that you can do is you can go online. There are online sources for scripts, mostly film scripts and also online sources for Shakespeare. So you do have resources there where you don't have to spend money in order to do this. But go and pick up a play and start to go through this process. So next time we are going to be talking about movement. 
We're going to be going through some Laban exercises and sort of helping us to really be able to change ourselves physically as we are embodying a character. So again, very glad that you've joined with me today, and I look forward to having you guys back here next week. Now go out and act. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Acting Without the Drama. For more information, and to follow my blog on acting, please go to www.actingwithoutthedrama.com. To contact me with questions or ideas, please email me at actingwithoutthedrama at gmail.com.